Most Americans feel the middle class has yet to benefit from Biden. The age debate has intensified with Biden's re-election announcement and LGBTQXYZ underscore terrorists go after Anheuser-Busch. You're listening to The Last Gay Conservative. I'm your host, Chad Law. Yeah. Hello, everybody. And let's go, Brandon. Welcome to another episode of The Last Gay Conservative. It's me, your host, Chad Law, America's binary brother, the holiest but most hated homo, the ultimate beacon of truth and the gayest conservative of all time, here with one mission to send common sense conservative politics through the airwaves on our red, white, and blue rainbow. Ah, folks, good to be back. I'm actually doing this show from the Pacific Northwest. I'm in Oregon and Washington areas throughout the next week or so. So I uh, got a little makeshift studio set up and I'm really excited to be able to do the show from here. It's absolutely beautiful up here. I must have brought the California weather with me because it was in the 80s a few days. And there's something about the Pacific Northwest that when it is sunny, the few times of year that it is sunny. It's very special. Everything's green and pretty and the flowers bloom and you can smell the forest in the air. It, it's an incredible place. But then you come back a month later and you're in dark black rain, crappy, crappy weather nonstop. It's interesting, though. We hear a lot about stuff, you know, different cities, Portland, Seattle, California, LA, Sacramento, you know, all, all these major cities that are blue cities. We, we hear as conservatives, the downfall of these once incredible cities and boy, is it true here? Let me tell you, Portland and Seattle are not recognizable. It looks like a war zone, Portland, tent cities all over. I think it's worse than Los Angeles. Obviously there's a higher population of homeless in Los Angeles, but in Portland, it's everywhere. And they actually just tried to introduce a bill to decriminalize homelessness. The problem is, is that half the time they're on private property. And so the liberal government here, which, by the way, represents Portland, a small area, and then the rest of Oregon and the rest of Washington away from Seattle usually are a little bit more common sense down the middle. But no, in Portland, they want to decriminalize homelessness which means anyone can put a tent anywhere. And if you try to remove them or clean up after them, you will receive a penalty or a ticket. Just crazy. It's crazy to see it with our own eyes, especially outside looking in, because a lot of this stuff has become the new normal for all of us, driving through tent cities, etc. And that's exactly what the left always wants. They want the higher taxes, the screwed up energy, the no gas stoves, all of this that they put into place, they know it hurts, but they know that it'll become the new normal after a matter of time. So all they have to do is keep pushing it and keep selling it and keep selling it. This is how it always goes. This is how it happens. So tent cities are now a new normal and the liberals have created this. And what is horrible about it is that it's having detrimental effects on these once massive economies like LA, Portland, Seattle, 
because no one wants to live there. No one wants to go downtown. No one wants to shop in downtown Portland. They had one of the best Nordstrom's that I've ever been to before, but I'm not going down there. So it's always a trip to come in to somewhere from the outside. And this truly everything that I've read about Portland has been true thus far. No exaggerations, no nothing. So yeah, I'm in the Pacific Northwest. I'm actually loving it and getting some business done and I'm able to do the show. So I want to thank my team for getting that going for me. I know it wasn't easy. Quick update on everything that we've been going through. Folks, I feel like such a moron sometimes because I'm always like, oh, it's going to be a week or we're going to go on camera or whatever. And then I decide I don't want to be on camera. You all understand that I'm a bit of a perfectionist and a total control freak. So it's not necessarily easy for me to adjust. And I always have unrealistic deadlines, apparently. But no, we've been getting hit hard. We've been getting really hit hard. Um, The HRC, which is the group we're going to talk about that's going after Bud Light or Anheuser-Busch, lobbies all of these different small agencies that go after podcasts like mine. Mine is getting the most attention right now, or I should say ours, because we're at the precipice of going really big. Okay, We have a, a great base. We have great virality going on. People like Matt Gates' wife posting about us. People like Julian Assange's wife posting about us. We've got celebrity mentions uh, all the time I spent at CPAC. And so we're starting to show up on the radar more and more and more. And it scares them because we are the anti-liberal. We're the anti-progressive. And we represent a faction of progressives that we are supposed to be part of that we're not part of. And that scares the living daylights out of them. So we've been getting cease and desist after cease and desist. I wish I could share with you guys some of the legal documents. Their claims are so outrageous. Um, But it usually comes down to trans violence and discrimination, which is so funny because I think out of most of the people out there in my industry, I'm probably one of the most common sense uh, conservatives as it comes to trans. I I just did a whole show about the trans reality, about how transgenderism isn't going anywhere. So we need to figure out a way to accommodate that. Meanwhile, keeping our kids safe. Anyways, needless to say, we've been shut down, put back on by Apple and Spotify, shut down, put back on by Apple and Spotify. So if if for whatever reason you can't get the show or it says it's no longer available, you can go to lastgayconservative.com. That podcast tab or right on the homepage, that's always live fed and will can't be taken down because it goes through our private server. But yeah, so the Gailey News has been put on hold because of uh, legal issues through the mail chimp and all the other big tech uh, mail software. We have a software coming into place, but we don't want to start sending out more emails until some of this is cleaned up. So we're really, really hurting here as far as the uh, liberal attacks. But the good news is, is, as you guys know, I'm unbreakable. And I've got a legal team that can do legal jujitsu <laughs> on any of these liberals. And to be honest, it's quite a compliment. You know, when you start getting haters like this and they're trying to shut you down, it means you're a threat. The problem is, is a very time consuming and very expensive compliment. And I also think that's part of their strategy, too, is try to run the funds down as much as possible and legal fees so we don't have to worry 
so they don't have to worry about doing anything else. They think I'll just spend all my money on attorneys. Well, they've got another thing coming. If there's anyone they're not going to be able to outsmart, it's me. And that's why I think it's probably time for them to move on. I mean, they've got hit wall after wall after wall. And uh, it's been interesting to watch, but very, very frustrating. So we're working on everything. We're going through issues with the show and the email and all back to big tech and uh, these HRC funded groups, which uh, is the human rights campaign. It's the largest uh, LGBTQ XYZ underscore uh, lobbying organization. So they don't do it directly, but they fund these groups that go after, you know, shows that they identify as threatening. And I happen to be under that. A lot of big things happening today. I want to go over a few really big items. The first thing is, is there was a new poll just came out about Biden's handling of the middle class and the numbers are unreal. I also want to talk a little bit about the age debate. There's some major stuff going on where the liberals are defending Biden's age, you know, and calling it ageism and and this and that. And conservatives are saying that, you know, 80 years old is too old. Trump's 78. Uh, And so my whole thing is, is that should we be talking about age or should we talk about cognition? And that's a conversation that I'd like to have with you guys, because I don't think it's the age. I think it's the cognitive ability, which is why testing is so, so important. And then lastly, just a fun little piece, this uh, HRC, Human Rights Campaign, just sent a letter to Anheuser-Busch regarding the Dylan Mulvaney uh, trans campaign that they did with Bud Light that just completely destroyed them. So that'll be interesting. And, And the reason why... I'm not surprised by the letter, but there's some pieces of the letter that I want to read to you guys that just showcases how bizarre these people think. All right, we'll dive right into the middle class after these words. I got to sit down the other day with a friend of mine at my favorite restaurant, Houston's. Folks, if you need somewhere to go for a birthday, a date, or just a nice dinner, You've got to try one of the many Hillstone Group restaurants. Houston's, Cafe R&D, Bandera, Gulfstream, all part of the Hillstone family. The food is fresh. The entrees, burgers, steaks, and other dishes represent a very flexible style of eating so everyone, even the pickiest of eaters, can find something. The environment is great, but most importantly... You're getting five-star service and food for three-star prices. Make a reservation now online. You don't have to wait anymore. You can go to hillstone.com, find a location near you, make a reservation, and have an experience to remember. Again, that's hillstone.com. Click on the locations, find one near you, make a reservation, and enjoy. You're going to love it, I promise. And don't forget to tell the hostess that the last gay conservative sent you. Throughout the campaign, I laid out my Build Back Better plan. We laid out our plan. That an independent analysis put out by Moody's, a well-respected Wall Street firm, projected would create 18.6 million jobs. We can also, we talked about the need to own the electric vehicle market. We talked about climate a lot. 
building 550,000 charging stations, creating over a million good-paying union jobs here at home, the need for a federal government to invest more in clean energy research. You know, it's based on a simple premise. It's time to reward work, not just wealth in America. All right. So like I mentioned, there was a very interesting poll that was published a couple days ago. Monmouth University, who actually is known for having pretty decent polls, found that 51% of respondents said that middle-class families have not benefited from Biden's policies so far, while 10% said they believe middle-class families have have benefited a lot from his policies. Furthermore, 36% of respondents believed that the middle-class families have benefited a little tiny bit from Biden's policies, again, according to this poll. So if you take this poll, really, and you figure, I'm horrible at math, so let's go. So if we start with 100% and we take away 51%, those are people who say the middle class hasn't been impacted positively at all. Well, and then we take 36%, that says, hey, maybe just a little bit of benefit, but nothing to write home about. So right there, you've got 87% of all respondents believe that they're not better off. A little bit does not mean better off. It means, eh, maybe. And then, of course, the last 10% believe that the middle class has been helped a lot. And to me, that's going to just be the extreme side of the spectrum who are pro-Biden no matter what, so they're going to say it's helped a lot, whether it has or hasn't. But 87% of respondents are, are saying that the middle class has either had a little or no help from President Biden. That's huge. He's middle class Joe, remember? This is poor man Joe, poorest man on Capitol Hill, he was touted for many years. So it's interesting to see such a large massive amount of people in the middle class, 87% of of these respondents say little to no, which means they're probably going to be looking for someone else with this new election. We can only hope. Then they go on and they start talking about wealthier and poorer families. So when they talk about families in the upper echelon, is what they call it, 29% of respondents have said that wealthy families have not benefited from Biden's policies. 31% said wealthy families benefited just a little bit from the policies. And then lastly, 28% says wealthy families have benefited from Biden. So this could go one of two ways. 29% says wealthy families have have not benefited from Biden's policies so far. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. 31% on top of that said wealthy families benefited just a little bit. So right there, you have 60%. And then 28% of people said that the wealthy families have benefited a lot from his policy. So there's two ways to look at it. There's the liberal way and the conservative way. The liberal way looks at that 28% and says, oh, this 28% says, Wealthy families have benefited a lot. That's bad. They don't think that's a good thing. They think that's a bad thing because they think the middle class hasn't benefited, but the wealthy class has. 
Well, that's not true either, because you've got 60% of people saying little to no help for wealthy people. Move on to the poor side, lower income families. 42% of the respondents said that poor families have not benefited from Biden's policies so far. He's the welfare king. Can you imagine? 42%, almost half, say poor people haven't benefited from Biden at all. And then that compares to the 35% who says wealthy families benefited just a little bit. And so when you look at this, all signs point to no. And this isn't like economic fact as far as the specific incomes or demographic or psychographic. But what this shows is a nod to behavior, a nod to perception. That's all it is. And so when we're looking at the perception of people across the board, poor, middle class, and wealthy, the overwhelming majority of each one of those segments has said they've gotten just a little bit or nothing at all from Biden. Isn't that funny? Because when we hear Democrats talk, it's always about the middle class. It's always about what they're doing. That was the Inflation Reduction Act. That was all of these things. And we've only gotten poorer. I mean, we've only gotten poorer. If you think about it, NerdWallet just came out with a statistic saying that the same family in 2023 would have to pay $11,500 this year and additionally in order to maintain the life they had in 2022. So you're living a regular middle-class life, one year changes. And the inflation and the taxes and everything else are so bad that you're out an additional 12,000 only if you want to maintain your lifestyle. So Biden wants everyone to cut their costs down. That's the distribution of wealth part of what they believe in. But for me and you, 12 grand, I mean, 11,500. Okay, let's round up to 12 grand. That's $1,000 a month. $1,000 a month. That's a lot of money. I mean, some places that's a mortgage. Some places that's two car payments. Some places that's gas and food. Could be college tuition. But to expect people to cough up an additional $1,000 a month because of your policies and then say that you're pro-middle class, you're not pro-any class. They're nothing. No one is benefiting. Not the rich, not the poor, not the middle. No one is benefiting. From Biden's policies. I mean, the debt in this middle class is insane. Our household debt, me, you, all of us talking, hit a new record at the end of 2022 of $16.9 trillion, which was up $2.75 trillion since 2019. Currently, we owe $986 billion on credit cards, which surpassed the pre-pandemic high of nine. $127 billion. We now owe $11.92 trillion on mortgages, $1.5 trillion on vehicle loans, and $1.6 trillion on student loans. The average consumer debt in America is significantly on the rise, and therefore delinquencies are also on the rise, missed payments for 30 days or more. And a lot of people will say, oh, these numbers are so inflated. There's 340 million people that share that debt. It doesn't matter. trillion shared by about 340 million people still shows that we're feeling the pain pretty bad. 
And the interesting thing is, is that usually when we go through household economics, we talk about the basic demographics. Is this something that's uh, more of in specific ethnicities? Is this in specific income, specific age, specific family types? They all play a part. However, these demographics today don't determine our debt risk at all. It's across the board. So instead of it being secluded to one faction or one area, which is where like traditionally, let's say there was more delinquent payments in a Latino neighborhood or a Latino community or the group or the demographic of Latinos carry more delinquency than, let's say, white people, which is not the case, actually. But I'm just using this as an example to Joe Biden and friends. That is a disparity that is unequitable not unequal, unequitable. And so instead of allowing the free market to adjust and do its thing, make opportunities and and spread wealth around naturally, they go in and they make all these policies to try to help one faction of society. And what it does is it waters down the rest of everything. And so it just impacts everyone across the board, which is not good for the economy because you need earners. And you need that constant income growth in order to like dig ourselves out of this situation. Every middle-class family needs to add another $1,000 a month to their income, which is, again, something that doesn't play into his job numbers because a lot of people now get home from their nine to five, kiss their wife and kids, and go back out and drive for Uber so they can make up that $1,000 a month. That $1,000 a month is actually a specific statistic. It's 11,500 from nerd wallet. And then, you know, the other big thing that we need to address is the fact that Biden thinks that he's the job king. And he talks about all these green jobs. Well, the problem is, is that we've started hiring in some of these green jobs. Well, first of all, he has touted that these jobs will be union, even though the majority of the jobs are in non-union states, right to work states is what they call it which takes away from the regular unions. All of this, quote unquote, green energy, where we're supposed to believe that every single petroleum-based or oil-based or gas-based or fossil fuels-based job will become a green job. Well, here's the problem. Because the green infrastructure is so new, the technology is so computerized, which you have on the oil side, but it's much more established, it's older. And what they're realizing is, for example, when people are out working in the oil yards, you don't need that with a solar farm. You need one person on the control panel, but that's it. So the the need for labor is going to dissipate, as well as the need for non-college educated people that have worked in the oil industry. I mean, imagine if you're 28 and you just got a really good job with Chevron, you know, and you're working in Houston. And you're excited about putting in the time, putting in a pension, getting retirement benefits, health benefits. Waited a long time for one of these big oil gigs. They're very, very coveted positions all over the country. Well, I'm just reading this article from Forbes, and I just wanted to, it basically explains what I'm trying to say. But it says up to 600 jobs will be created during the construction of the largest solar power plant in the U.S. at Samson Solar Energy Facility in Northeast Texas. 
1.3 gigawatts of capacity will surpass that of many nuclear reactors. Wow, that's that's big. Now, running it is another story. So those 600 jobs are temp construction jobs. Guess how many jobs the full operation will need? 12. 12 permanent operations and maintenance jobs once fully operationable in 2023. I mean, Biden... Says right here, Joe Biden sold his plan to cut the country's power sector emissions to net zero by 2035 by creating millions of good paying middle class union jobs. Well, so far they've all been in right to work states, and so far they've been temporary jobs to construct or create the infrastructure of these uh I don't know what you call them, solar farms, wind farms, green, green energy farms, whatever, whatever we want to call them. That for every 10 oil jobs, there's only one green job available. That is the middle class in this country, my friends. That is the direction that we're going. We're taking jobs away. We're taking jobs away from the people who need them the most. And we're lying and creating false numbers to fluff up that all these people are getting green jobs when really they're just construction jobs until they're done and then they're out of work. So when we look at job numbers, it doesn't factor whether or not it's temporary in the green sector. If you look at job numbers, it doesn't factor whether or not someone's driving for Uber in order to make up. People say, oh, wages are up. Americans have money, more money in the bank. They don't, first of all. But second of all, even if that were true, it's because they're working harder to make up for the hit they've taken from Biden's policies. It's a very scary place to be. So when like 70 plus percent of Americans, based on the respondents in that poll, believe that Biden's policies have done little to none to help all the way up and down the pyramid, you've got a problem. And it makes me wonder if Americans are craving that fast moving economy. And so I'm realizing with this study, I don't know if I'm realizing it, if I'm hoping, but I'm hoping as people realize that their wallets have either been barely impacted or not impacted, we'll have a wake up when they go to the polls. Because at this point, choosing someone's personality over your ability to earn and support your family, I mean, $1,000 a month. Biden has created for the middle class in this country, a thousand dollars a month. Think about what you could do with that, folks. It is rough trying to scrape together enough money just to maintain your lifestyle because Washington and the president have decided that your income, the greater good, the equity of everyone is more important than your ability to feed your family or keep money in your savings account. Disgusting. But I hope this is a great tell for the election. I really do, because I think for the midterms, people were really giving Joe Biden a chance to do what he said he was going to do. And now they're realizing that even if his policies are supposed to do what he says they're going to do, they don't. They don't help at all. So we need to jumpstart this economy. And the only way to do it is to get Joe Biden's weird bottom to middle to side to top economy that he's put together. All right. I want to take a quick break and come back, talk about age and cognition right after these words. 
I think most of you know that I'm very passionate about pet health and nutrition. One of the things that people ask me a lot is Darwin's is very expensive. And if I can only afford kibble, what should I do? Well, if that's the case, you have to make sure the right herbs, supplements, vitamins, fiber, prebiotics, and probiotics are in your dog's diet, which generally would not naturally come with the food. It says it does, but it really doesn't. What do I recommend? I recommend Bernie's Perfect Poop. It's an additive that tastes great. You put it on top of your dog's food. You'll see immediately the stool quality and firmness will be better. The immune system's healthier. You'll see they're faster. Their coats look better. And it reduces gas, excessively stinky stool, and bad breath. It's a great addition. It's very, very cost-effective. And it's available virtually anywhere online, including Amazon and Bernie's.com. Try it with a risk-free guarantee today and let me know what your dog thinks. Again, go to Bernie's.com. That's Bernie's.com and order your first bag risk-free today. Joe Biden can't speak clearly. He can't think clearly. So he tells law enforcement, you got to do something about this guy, Trump. He's killing me. Take a look at this. You'll see. see. Just take a look. You're not even going to believe how it. Would you say your how mental, would you say your mental focus is? Which focused? <laughs> I, say it's, I think it's I, I haven't. Look, let's get ready to bumble. I think it's a right for people that bad to kept there. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was going to put him in a uh, foot. And Corn Pop was a bad dude, and he ran a bunch of bad boys. Wait, wait, wait. wait. All men and women created by the go, you know the, you know the thing. If it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway. You guys like that? I love that Trump's playing these things at his rally. But like I said, I'm in the Pacific Northwest and I got to visit with some of my friends and my friend's grandmother was with us. And it's interesting because my perception about the age argument has completely changed. I have thought Joe Biden's too old to be president. I've thought that there's senators and uh, congressmen and women that have been too old to be in Congress. Then I meet my friend's grandmother, who's 85 and can do cartwheels and beat me at Jeopardy and beat me at Risk or Scrabble. I mean, sharp as a tack. You would never, ever know. Could she be president? Yes. I had to ask myself that question. Could my friend's 85-year-old grandmother, who's uh, amazingly youthful and smart, could she be president? Absolutely. I'd have no problem going from 85 to 89 with with someone who had that cognitive ability. See, there's a difference. And I, and I do want to go over this with you because UCLA Health has an incredible aging and memory center. And they have some information on what it means, which I'll get into. But essentially what you have is you have normal aging versus dementia. And a lot of it gets confused. So there's many people that have normal aging Things like vocabulary, reading, verbal reasoning, they remain unchanged during the aging process. So 
they're very mild and they're, you know, some mild changes in cognition are normal. However, dementia is not normal. That is what's so important is looking at mild cognitive impairment versus dementia versus normal aging. Biden is not aging well, and it's not mild cognitive impairment. It's dementia. And it's very clear in this paper by UCLA uh, Aging and Memory Care that Joe Biden has dementia. What does that mean for us? It essentially means that dementia is eating away at the brain. Aging is not. We have senior moments, et cetera. We forget things. But dementia makes it difficult for someone's ability to complete everyday tasks, let alone run the entire country. But I hear from everyone on our side, he's too old, he's too old, he's too old. Well, guess what? Trump is 78, and you heard him in that video. Does he sound like he has an issue? No. And so I don't think it's about age. I think it's about cognitive ability. So what's the solution if we don't put an age cap? Well, they've got to have cognitive testing. If they don't have cognitive testing, then we can't say anything or do anything. That's the only way to ensure someone is still fit to serve. That's the only way. You think about it. Once someone, and again, this is California. I don't know all the laws everywhere, so you guys can email me and correct me. But in California, once you turn a certain age, you have to renew your driver's license much more often and take the tests much more often than like in your 30s or 20s or 40s, even 50s. You're on some sort of like senior plan where they don't want you to get to a point where you shouldn't be driving, but you're still driving. Well, that's exactly what we need. Starting at age 60, 65 even, every single person in the federal that's elected official needs to pass a cognitive test. Doesn't have to be super challenging, but they need to pass a test or do an age number and cut it off and apply it to everyone. But I don't think that's fair. I really don't. Because age really is a number. I mean, I can tell you my assistant, Alyssa, she's 20. I don't even know if she's turned 22 yet. She's a ba- She's been working with me since she was a baby, essentially. But I sit and talk to her and I feel like I'm talking to a 40-year-old. So that's the flip side of it. We all know those old souls, those little kids that can sit with you and have an adult conversation. They're so funny. That's how I was. So how important is age? And again, not that important. I mean, listen to this. While some mild changes in cognition are considered a normal part of the aging process, dementia isn't. Normal age-related declines are subtle and mostly affect thinking, speed, and attention. In abnormal aging, declines in cognition are more severe and may include other thinking abilities, such as rapid forgetting or difficulties navigating, solving common problems, expressing oneself in conversation, behaving outside of normal social rules. Abnormal aging can also include the motor system, resulting in excessive tripping, falls, or tremor. And it says right here, often it's difficult to determine exactly when a person should be concerned with cognitive changes they may be experiencing. Symptoms vary from person to person. So what are the symptoms? You tell me. Getting lost in familiar places. Well, you guys have all seen him turn around, look around into the garden. Jill has to pull him. No idea. Repetitive questioning constantly. I mean, we just saw it with some seven-year-old. 
forgetfulness of recent events. He has no idea what's happening. And when he goes to talk about it, he fumbles. Repeated falls or loss of balance. He couldn't even get his jacket on the other day. Personality changes. He starts yelling and screaming. Decline in planning and organization. That I don't know. Changes in diet and eating habits. That I don't know. Hygiene. That I don't know. Increased apathy. That I'm not sure. And changes in language abilities, including comprehension. Well, we know he can't comprehend anything. It also says accelerated cognitive decline may not incur until events like life stressor or other illness reach a threshold where the brain can no longer compensate for damage. So a lot of people are like, well, how come he's on one side and off on the other side? Well, that's it. The more stressed he becomes, the more his brain shuts down. So if they can hide him away for a while and get him re-caught up and alert, probably feed him with 100 Red Bulls and push him out in front, hey, there's a good chance they'll have a decent press conference. But on the other hand, it, it doesn't matter because it could drop immediately. So if someone's getting lost in familiar places, re repeating questions, odd or inappropriate behaviors like smelling hair, forgetfulness of recent events, repeated falls or loss of balance, personality changes, decline in planning and organization, blah, blah, blah. We've heard it all. That is Biden to a T. That is Mr. President. Those are things that can come up in a test and disqualify someone who's mentally handicapped from running the country, Senate, Congress, etc. They'll never do that because they like to hide their mentally challenged. Look at Fetterman. They like to hide them because they tow the party line. So that's the solution here. And Trump has tested cognitively over and over, and Biden has refused over and over. So if we're going to have serious age debates about this stuff, it needs to come down to cognition. Because if someone's smart and active and 80, like Trump will be, who cares? I don't care if someone's 99, if they're the most incredible leader in the world and they help, doesn't matter. But you can't help when you can't remember events or you re-question or you're lost. That's when you can't help. And so knowing these symptoms and understanding what's really happening here, it is so clear that he's suffering from abnormal decline, a.k.a. dementia, abnormal impairment, which is not the normal aging process. It's very clear that he fits in this category, and it's very clear that we need to institute cognitive testing, especially if he doesn't want to get on stage and debate. He's not going to debate, and neither is Trump, but Trump's not doing it for the same reasons. Joe Biden's going to go back into his election war room, the basement, and he's going to sit there and eat his snow peas while all the DNC operatives are around doing whatever they can to enact laws and meddle in the election to make it more difficult for Republicans. Meanwhile, Trump will be doing uh, rallies all the time, campaigning like crazy, and they won't even blink because they know that they can rig the system with some of the stuff that they're working on anyways, especially in places like Georgia, Arizona, and Pennsylvania. Can't see uh, any big Republican wins in either of those states due to the increase in uh, voter law manipulation, et cetera. So yeah, you can't hide, you can't refuse to test and be 80 and run for president. There has to be something. I don't think it should be an age cutoff, but if it is, then it should apply to everyone across the board. But there has to be something, has to be. 
And I believe it should be cognitive testing, 100%. That is the problem. We have someone suffering from dementia and non-normal age-related decline. It's called abnormal aging with significant declines in cognition. That's what we're dealing with. That's your president, folks. That's my president. I don't care if he's 80 or 85. If he can't remember where he is and he doesn't understand basic formulations to solve problems, then he should not be the president of the United States. And when you look at his term so far, everything that he's done also shows that there's something mentally wrong. Afghanistan, the Sudan, the Ukraine war, one thing after another. And that is an area that he leads directly. Can't blame Congress, can't blame Republicans. You are the commander in chief. And everything that you've commanded or been the chief over has been a complete disaster. And to me, that's a reflection of his cognition directly. But all right, I want to take a quick break before I pee my pants, and I will be back after these words to talk about our friends in the LGBTQXYZ underscore mafia. For those of you who've been listening for a while, you know I love cars. You also know I love Aston Martin. Now remember, if you like burning stuff like I do, our days are numbered. The liberals are coming after our gas cars, that fun, loud turbo engine or naturally aspirated V12. Doesn't matter. They're coming to take your cars. Now is the time to buy that supercar. Used, new, doesn't matter. Check out Aston Martin of Newport Beach. It's the number one Aston dealer in the world. They have tons of new inventory and tons of used inventory. It's a lot less expensive than you would think. You don't have to be rich to drive like you're rich. Aston Martin Newport Beach is located off PCH right next to Javier's in the Crystal Cove Center. Go check it out. All the guys that work over there are awesome. And even if you just want to drive or dream a bit, go in. They'll help you. They'll take care of you. Again, that's Aston Martin Newport Beach. You can go to AstonMartinNewportBeach.com. Check out their many specials. They have a 2022 Vantage Roadster on sale right now that's amazing. It's red. There's a Baby Blue 2022 DBX on sale right now. A lot of great stuff. Go check it out. Aston Martin of Newport Beach, the number one Aston dealer in the world. That's AstonMartinNewportBeach.com. Oh, and did I mention they are huge fans of the show? So when you go, make sure you let them know that the last gay conservative sent you. Just know that. And how fucking dare anyone out there make fun of Brittany after all she's been through. She lost her aunt. She went through a divorce. She had two fucking kids. Her husband turned out to be a user, a cheater, and now she's going through a custody battle. All you people care about is readers and making money off of her. She's a human! Her song is called Give Me More for a Reason because all you people want is more, 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 more! Leave her alone! You're lucky she even performed for you bastards. Leave Brittany alone. All right. So you couldn't turn on the TV in the last few weeks without 
seeing this insane Bud Light, Dylan Mulvaney, Dylan Mulvaney, however you say it, uh, trans man or trans woman. Anyways, actual man dressing up like a like a woman. Uh, Dylan Mulvaney, she's again uh, one of these top top trannies that have had all kinds of surgery. I mean, she's not that normal looking, but it's the same thing. So what do they do? This new young hot marketing executive, which I can actually understand where she was coming from. Having been in marketing my entire life, I can tell you, you always want to make your mark and you always want to try to tap into new dollars, right? Whether than what we call same door sales, whether talking to the same customer all the time and trying to increase their purchases, trying to go out there and get a whole new sector or a whole new demographic is a marketer's dream. And that's what she wanted to do. And she's seen Barbie do it with trans people. She's seen uh, Leith Leith Ashley uh, making out and um, having, quote unquote, camera sex with Taylor Swift. And so this marketing executive, and I don't know her name, I'm sorry that I don't, but I don't know her name. She's been put on leave or fired, but she came in thinking, hey, Bud Light is associated with football, guys, hardworking guys, whatever you want to say. It's, it's effectively a majority male, majority middle-class male beverage. That's it. I don't know any woman that goes into a bar and orders a Bud Light. Corona, Michelob Ultra, but not Bud Light. Bud Light is like Coors Light to me. It's just, it's just a man beer. I hate to, I hate to say it that way, but so her thought was, well, look, I, I see all these other companies going woke. Not to mention that she sees the benefits in the, uh, in the scheme of the whole organization because the government will kick them back money for being inclusive. But sadly. She says, okay, well, let's get a trans spokesperson. That's Dylan Mulvaney. She was just on uh, Drew Barrymore's show, her YouTube, TikTok, whatever's picking up. This would be a good person. So she goes to town, you know, I guess the CEO, CMO, whoever believed in her, she goes to town and she, she launches this campaign with Dylan Mulvaney. Well, guess what? She's a creep. She really is a weirdo, first of all. And second of all, your base doesn't understand transgenderism, nor do they care or want to understand, which is 100% their right. We already feel this wokeness being pushed on us so hard, and we're fighting back so hard, all of us, all of you listening, me, everyone else. So when your beer that you go grab a 30-pack and drink throughout the week after work is all of a sudden part of the transgender terrorism, of course, you're not going to be happy. Of course, you're going to freak out. I would. If they did that with Coors Light, which is what I drink, oh, I would be pissed. So, of course, it was a major uproar and it was very, very stupid. But what it did that was so brilliant is that, and I know we've, we've done, seen things with Disney and with Goya Foods or whatever, but to me, this thing with Bud Light really showcased for the first time the power, the buying power of middle America, either middle or right of middle or all the way to conservatives. I mean, we took out their sales from 50% or something insane to the point where they backtracked. Most companies 
would put their feet in the sand and say, we don't care. We're sticking through it, thinking that it would either pass or not, and that eventually the right people would come around. It's not how it works. I mean, do you know how long it took Absolute Vodka to become the vodka of gay people? They sponsored RuPaul's Drag Race. They had rainbow uh, bottles. They went out and did events and all the different gay bars. They sought out that market and added that market to their already existing market. The problem is with Bud Light is that, and they say, oh, well, we didn't want it to divide. It didn't divide people. It pissed off their entire base. There was no division. Not like there was this huge group of trans people drinking Bud Light and then all these people like me and you drinking Bud Light and we split down the middle. No, there was no division. There was a bunch of people saying, I'm not doing this. I get this enough at my schools. I get this enough at my church. I get this, whatever, my job on the news. I see this crap all day, every day. The one thing that I have left is my ice cold Bud Light at the end of a hard day's work. (laughs) And that's what happened. So now that they've fired the girl, they fired the marketing VP and they made a statement saying they weren't trying to divide anyone. Well, now what's happening? Well, now that we've, demonstrated our buying power and gotten the company Anheuser-Busch, Bud Light, to accept the errors of their ways and to go back towards the direction that they were originally on, or they would lose a huge chunk of their business. You have to know as capitalists, the number one driving force behind any decision is money. Why? Your money pays your bills. Your money hires your people. Your money gets invested in other places of the economy. The income allows you to purchase other brands as well and increase your family footprint. The bottom line is, is the reason why Bud Light Beer pulled out and canceled that. I'm I'm sure Dylan Mulvaney still made a shit ton of money in a contract. But until Bud Light pulled out, and the only reason they pulled out was because of money, the declining sales. So now... This, um, you know, the, the human rights campaign, which is the, the LGBTQ mafia to a T, they send a letter today to um, Anheuser-Busch. And basically what it says is, please focus less on selling beer by repairing its badly damaged image and more on carrying the flag for transgender community. The letter says, at this moment, it is absolutely critical for Anheuser-Busch to stand in solidarity with Dylan and the trans community. Goes on to say, however, when faced with anti-LGBTQ, well, let me stop there real quick. You see how asinine these people are? They want them to forego sales, put the sales aside, which then means what? People get fired. Shareholders make less. Stock prices go down. But that's okay. As long as you stand in solidarity with Dylan Mulvaney, because she's the representation of the LGBTQ plus community. I don't know about you. She doesn't represent my community. It's a freak. Goes on to say, however, when faced with anti-LGBTQ and transphobic criticism, Anheuser-Busch's actions demonstrate a profound lack of fortitude in upholding its values of diversity, equity, and inclusion to employees, customers, shareholders, and the LGBTQ plus community. Guess what? All of those talking points, the mission statements, the vision statements on the wall, the 
inclusion and equity and all the stuff that these big companies have been strong-armed into doing, none of that matters if there's no income. You got to have money for all of that. So for this, these people, which by the way, it's a nonprofit, they pay themselves from donations, these people saying, you don't need sales, you need inclusivity. Well, obviously the inclusivity was the reason why they lost sales. So now that they want to encourage that even more, because they're so, this is why I get so frustrated in the LGBTQ community. They're so single track minded. This is what happened at Disney. Say gay, say gay, you know, stand with Dylan, stand with Dylan. Oh, wait, sorry. We have to lay off 10% of our workforce because our sales went down 50%. What's more important, HRC? Talk about human rights. What about the human's rights to have a job? He says, this not only lends to credence to hate-filled rhetoric, it exposes Anheuser-Busch to a long-term business impacts with employees and customers increasingly looking for steadfast commitment to LGBTQ corporate citizenships. Uh, Hello, did you not see the sales report? Did you not see the sales report? There are no customers within the Bud Light marketplace that are looking for steadfast commitments to LGBTQ+. Furthermore, I don't know anyone. I know women-owned business is important. Black-owned business is important. But LGBTQ, I mean, should I be looking for a rainbow sticker on my cereal box right next to the pink ribbon? I mean, come on. And then lastly, the craziest part is is that they're demanding that the executives at Anheuser-Busch meet which the meet with the HRC, the human rights campaign and their leadership, which is, you know, again, this was one of their many demands, but they also really are demanding that Anheuser-Busch is to put out a company wide public statement, quote, reaffirming its full support for its transgender customers, shareholders, and employees. Huh? Well, that'll really help with the millions of boycotts and the millions of customers of Bud Light that feel alienated by the endorsement of the transgender lifestyle because they know what it is. This is propaganda. This is inserting transgenderism into day-to-day life to glorify that lifestyle, to glorify being trans. And that's why they hire the best-looking, most popular, because then all the little girls out there that see it on social media go, I want to be trans. I could, Bud Light could give me a sponsorship or I could have a Barbie named. No, trust me, honey, 99% of women that become men or men that become women look like monsters. Okay. I mean, I already look like Shrek. I know that I look like a monster, but I'm talking about monster monster. I mean, I think Caitlyn Jenner looks like a monster. She's smart and I like what she stands for politically. But God, I can't have a hard time looking at her. So this HRC, which is all LGBTQ propaganda, it shouldn't be called human rights campaign. It should be called LGBTQ rights campaign. There's no humanity left in the organization. They hate anything that doesn't fit the traditional LGBTQ plus mold. They're coming after me with a vengeance. And now they think that they're powerful enough to tell they're either the largest alcoholic beverage group in the world or one of the top two or three. And they think that they have enough pull and enough power to force Anheuser-Busch's C-suite, C 
CEO, CMO, CFO, etc., have training with them and issue a public statement. Absolutely ridiculous. I think this letter will fall on deaf ears at Anheuser-Busch because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if the gay population is happy. It matters that they can have increasingly growing sales, take care of their shareholders, take care of their customers, and take care of their employees, but not by sticking your middle finger up at everyone who doesn't believe what you believe in. That's what these people want Anheuser-Busch to do. Screw you, all Americans, all you millions of people. We're standing in solidarity and you can tank our sales. We don't care. But their buddies do who all get fired. These people are never going to change. It's never going to get better. They're always going to be in constant propaganda battles. And like I always say, until they chill out, they're going to get fought tooth and nail. Because when people are backed into a corner, they don't agree with you. They purposely go the opposite direction and push back. That's human nature. So for this HRC, Human Rights Campaign, to demand a massive company that hires, I'm sure, plenty of LGBTQ people, thousands of people around the world depend on Anheuser-Busch for their jobs. But standing in solidarity with Dylan Mulvaney, standing with solidarity with a 1% or even 5% population, who doesn't even drink Bud Light, by the way, 1%, 5%, whatever number you want to use, it doesn't work. You can't have a business that sells a good to a group or groups and you take one group and you just sell to one group out of the 10 that you were selling with before. Can't do that. It doesn't make any business sense. But furthermore, it's not up to these groups to tell companies that employ their members how they run their business. But that's how spoiled and crazy these liberals have gotten. They literally think that being gay, being trans, being queer, whatever you want to say, and aligning with that from companies is more important than sales and employees and shareholders. It is the epitome of stupidity. Just think about it. Lose sales, but stand in solidarity with Dylan. Now, Dylan can make tons of money on TikTok, Twitter, whatever. There's just certain lines you don't cross. And honestly, I mean, if I, if I was a beer company, the, the only thing I think Dylan Mulvaney should be uh, representing is natural ice, natty ice, because it is nasty and so is she. All right, guys, until next time, this is Chad Law reminding you of what Reagan once said. We are one nation. We are to be one nation under God or a nation gone under. That is exactly where we are today. God bless you, President Reagan, and may God save America. You just listened to the Last Gay Conservative Podcast, hosted by Chad Law. Please visit us at lastgayconservative.com for this episode and others. We're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever you listen. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and share. Find us on social at Last Gay Conservative. We proudly support the following causes. The Convention of States Action, the National Rifle Association, 
the Heritage Foundation, and Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. The Last Gay Conservative is a production of Ben Wright Media. All rights reserved 2022.